Great. Well, I am very excited to have my latest guest here into the studio at Coastal Front. You know, in 2013, Christy Clark and the BC Liberal government at the time brought in Family Day. And it was uh, some pretty long winters before 2013. So I was really happy to see Family Day come in. But uh, like my guest, I was a bit disappointed to see the day in which they had Family Day. It was the, I think, the second Monday in February as opposed to the third when everybody else in the country and in the United States celebrated uh, the same date. Uh, the United States was President's Day. So my guest, Anita Huberman, CEO of the Surrey Board of Trade, is with me today. Anita is a second-generation Indo-Canadian, and she is the first South Asian woman to head a major board of trade in Canada. She was a, awarded uh, one of the top 40 under 40 under the Business of Vancouver uh, Award, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal, and you've also been appointed to Premier John Horgan's Economic Recovery Task Force alongside two of our former guests, Prem Gill and Queenie Chu. It's quite an accomplishment. Anita, as I mentioned, is the CEO of the Surrey Board of Trade. The city of Surrey, for those who don't know, is the second largest municipality in British Columbia, have over half a million people that live there, and they're expected to be the largest municipality in BC by the year 2030. And your organization, which was founded just over 100 years ago, represents 3,000 businesses that employ over 60,000 people. And your main objective, as I understand it, Surrey Board of Trade is to attract and retain businesses in Surrey. So with that, Anita, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really excited to have you here. And of course, we, like I mentioned earlier, we did um, meet initially in the what we described as the Unite Family Day campaign, and we were successful. So first of all, thanks for doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for your support. I really appreciate yeah. it. Now, what was interesting is the Surrey Board of Trade and the Vancouver Board of Trade had a very different view on this. The Vancouver Board of Trade at that time, if I can pull, jog your memory, mm -hmm. was in support of having it on a different day than the rest of the country. And if I recall, it was largely because they were focused on the hospitality tourism side of it. Correct. Whereas I understood the Surrey Board of Trade, you know, you're looking at more from an industry industry perspective mm -hmm. and this disruption of having two opposing holidays with us in the same month. Mm -hmm. Does that kind of summarize the main issue there? It does, absolutely. I mean, I think there needs to be a recognition that uh, we're a border city in Surrey and we have the greatest number of manufacturers within British Columbia. So they're trading goods across the country, across the border. And it didn't make business sense in terms of having family day all on the same day. Uh, so we needed to, to move it. And the whole purpose of Family Day, as you know, Andrew, is really about making sure that people have time for their family. And, uh, and I think, you know, from our perspective and our research, and, and certainly even the Burnaby Board of Trade was, uh, you know, on our side, uh, where we supported a different day for Family Day because it's an economic issue, but families are also an economic issue too. You need that balance uh, between between uh, work life and your personal life. And mm -hmm. so we absolutely supported you in your campaign and appreciated your support, which was grassroots, by the way, and that always helps uh, business organizations like us. Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. Well, we got it done. Now, for those listeners uh, to know what we're gonna talk about in our podcast, we're not only gonna talk about the Surrey Board of Trade and Anita herself, but we're gonna dive into the, some hot topics around transit, infrastructure, and we're going to talk about policing and criminal activity. But before we start all that, I need to know, do I call you Captain Anita? No, you can just call me <laughs> Anita. <laughs> so you have this title of Captain though, right? I do. So, so yeah, let me that. tell you a little bit about it. Uh, so I'm an honorary captain of the Royal Canadian Navy. It's an appointment by Canada's Defence Minister. 
And uh, it was actually the former defense minister, Jason Kenney, and when he was defense minister, who appointed me. Uh, but I've been in this capacity now for six years. And it's just there's 30 of us in the country that are ambassadors for the Navy. And we speak about the economic importance uh, of the Navy, not only to Canada, but uh, to international trade, too. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. And, and Queenie Chu is one of those people as well. She is. She was just on our show recently. She is. Now, have I got this right that you've been the CEO for the Surrey Board of Trade for 14 years now? It's 15 years 15. Now. So yeah. you started when you were like 12. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you did start off as, a, as I understood from your bio, you started off as a student there initially, as an internship or something? Well, uh, I started as a summer student when okay. I was 19. Yeah. And, uh, and then actually I left uh, when I graduated university. So I worked summers at the Board of Trade, uh, one day a week. And then I went to work for the Royal Bank after graduation. And then I discovered banking wasn't really for me. Yeah. And then the Board of Trade was hiring again. Okay. And, uh, and so I worked my way up. And uh, so I applied for the top job when I was 32. And I've had the job uh, ever since for 15 years now. Wow. Yeah. Well, good for you. Now, I think people should know that um, there is no difference between the Chamber of Commerce and the Surrey Board of Trade because it's the same entity, right? It is. Uh, we own the name Chamber of Commerce. We're yeah. all under the Board of Trade Act under yeah. the Federal Ministry of Economic Development. So we're all under the same ministry. Uh, but boards of trades are more meant for city building, okay. uh, economic development, international trade. Uh, chambers of Commerce, um, you know, they do things a little bit differently. And we wanted to differentiate ourselves. Yeah. Well, that's very true. And thank you for that, because that's going to be why we're going to touch on these topics around infrastructure and transit and policing. But let's maybe dive a little bit more into the Board of Trade. Now, I understand it's a very different organization the way it looks today than it was 15 years ago when mm -hmm. you started there. Can you kind of describe to me today, maybe touch on what it was like when you first started and what it looks like today? Well, when I first started as CEO, uh, you know, no one really knew what the board, Surrey Board of Trade was, what we did. We really had no brand profile. And, uh, you know, I really had to build that up. And, uh, you know, really from the get-go as a woman, a young woman, a South Asian woman, I, I really had to work 12, 14-hour days in order to ensure that we were differentiating ourselves from the competition. And we were bridging collaborative partnerships, um, but also that we were doing things a little bit differently, too. And so Surrey back then, uh, you know, we didn't have a downtown core. Uh, people just thought Surrey was a suburb. It w had a lot of crime. It had a lot of issues. Right. And certainly uh, now we have a downtown core. We're building it from the ground up. Um, we are one of the 10 largest chambers of commerce boards of trades in the country. Wow. There's 450 of us. Everyone knows the Surrey Board of Trade where we're instigating change at the different levels of government. We have an international trade center. We didn't have that before. And uh, my staff has grown. The profile of our board of directors has grown. And, uh, and certainly the city building, the economic development activity that we do in our city, and the cross-border relationships that we've implemented and initiated um, have been award-winning. Hmm. Well, that's a good summary. Thank you for that. Uh, one of the things that I know when we talked before we filmed today about prep pre preparation for this interview was the fact that you, you mentioned to me that the, the Surrey Board of Trade doesn't just look at economic issues, but also social issues, because mm -hmm. social issues, I think you said, 
our economic issues. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe touch on that for a minute? Maybe that'll help dive into some of the topics we're going to discuss today. Well, when I became CEO, I immediately formed a social policy committee or team, as I like to call it. And so I really focused on issues related to child care. Family day was another one. Poverty reduction. Uh, persons with disabilities instigating support uh, in the workforce. Uh, there's so education, uh, whether it's K-12, to post-secondary, upskilling, reskilling, workforce development. And so these are normally known as social issues. And I've even had different levels of government, different parties say to me, Anita, why are you focusing on child care? You know, that's a social issue, but yeah, we know. that would be the question I would ask. Yeah, and we know now, dur- yeah. especially during the pandemic, that child care is an economic issue. Right. It's about getting women and even fathers back into the workforce, having full labor participation. Uh, by 2050, we're going to have another 1.3 million jobs despite the pandemic. Wow. And, um, you know, Canadians are not having enough babies. Yeah. Uh, so we are relying on that, making sure we're offering those supports to all levels, newcomers, uh, women, um, and of course, uh, you know, our immigrants mm-hmm. from abroad. Yeah, well, well said, and that's a really good point. Um, Now, I want to talk for a minute about the BC budget because it was just released about three, four weeks ago. Um, Do you feel like Surrey was adequately adequately represented in the latest budget by the BC NDP? Well, I think the BC NDP has been very good to Surrey. Uh, we've seen a lot of investments. Uh, we saw that uh, they do have a commitment to child care. They have a commitment to the new Surrey Hospital. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't really see any specific mention of transportation investments. And everyone's talking about, you know, that shift from light rail transit to SkyTrain and then SkyTrain all the way to Langley. And But there was no real hard dollars allocated to that SkyTrain extension. And transportation, you know, that's our foundation, our philosophy of the Surrey Board of Trade, that transportation and education are the economic foundations, Mm -hmm. and then everything else flows from there. So we were really disappointed uh, in this recent budget related to transportation, good on health care. We wanted to see a comprehensive tax review as well by the BC government. We're calling on that also by the federal government too, because there's been so many bottom line erosion, erosional expenses, uh, not only for taxes, but increasing costs to businesses. And um, businesses just can't simply afford to spend more money uh, when they're not making more money. Yeah, absolutely, Anita. Well, that's, that's a really interesting comment, the one you just gave me. So are you getting that kind of feedback from your members? Is that there? There's a feeling of like this, this uh, piling on of taxation that they're having to deal with and trying to run their businesses. It's one of the the top three issues. Really, is taxation. What are the top three? So taxes. So taxes, uh, transportation, and uh, of course public safety. Right. Okay. Yes. Well, that seems like all the tops we're going to hit on right now. Yes. So uh, bef- before we go into uh, talking about transit, is there anything else that was missing from this BC budget, or even maybe broadly speaking, 
you're finding that the uh, the provincial government today is just not hitting on yet for, for Surrey? Well, I think also there was no mention of a commitment towards the Massey uh, Tunnel or Massey Bridge. Uh, we've been advocating at the Surrey Board of Trade that uh, it should have been already built or halfway built uh, in terms of a bridge, 10 lanes. But we go through these consultations and um, our population continues to grow. The Massey Tunnel, to your listeners, is very important to Surrey. Uh, it's uh, a bridge for our workforce, you know, to get into uh, Surrey, into Vancouver, and vice versa. The Patello Bridge, you know, of course, it's going to be delayed by another year from 2023 to 2024. Why not spend the money to open it with six lanes instead of four lanes? Right. Surrey, Andrew, Surrey is growing by 1,200 to 1,400 people a month. A e- month? Even during the pandemic. Wow. And so can you imagine how that's net new people coming in becoming residents of Surrey? You bet. 1200 a month. Yes. 1200 a month. And so can you imagine? What is that per day? It's like 20 people a day. Yes. Every day. Yes. A lot of them newcomers. Yeah. Uh, But can you imagine how important it is to move people, move goods, have those roadways in place? And we didn't really hear that in the BC budget. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that, um, I, I noticed in the federal budget, no, I'll switch to the federal budget, budget, is that the feds decided to allocate $12 billion to build out a transit system that will connect Toronto with Hamilton. Where does Surrey fit in here and how come it seems to be missing out on this kind of commitment by the federal government? Well, I think, um, you know, the shift from light rail transit to SkyTrain was... Uh, a part of why there was no specific announcement for Surrey. Uh, when we spoke to Minister Freeland, uh, we did a pre-consultation, there was 10 of us, uh, to provide advice in the upcoming federal budget. And we said the SkyTrain extension from Surrey to Langley was really important. Um, you know, it wasn't the solution that we had ideally wanted, but because of a political shift, you know, uh, we now have SkyTrain. But anything is better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of assessments, environmental uh, mitigation reports that need to happen between the province and the federal government. Uh, the federal government wanted to fund uh, shovel-ready projects. And the SkyTrain uh, from Surrey to Langley is not shovel-ready just yet. And so it's on their radar. Uh, they've said that Surrey is very important to them, uh, not only from a political perspective, but also from an economic perspective. So we're on the list, but we're not there yet. Okay. So on that particular topic, then, thank you for that. Where is the bottleneck right now? If it's not shovel ready, what, what needs to happen in order for it to become shovel ready? Well, the BC government, uh, just right after the BC budget was released, said they've uh, committed $377 million over three years uh, to continue to do the business planning and the assessment. So no building, more assessment. And that's a lot over of money th- to assess something over three years. And, yeah. you know, really the hiccup is the agricultural lands. Okay. Uh, so on Fraser Highway between Surrey and Langley, um, building a SkyTrain and concrete infrastructure. How is that going to impact our farming community, um, our natural community, our natural assets? That really hasn't been evaluated just yet. And so that's really the hiccup. And so, again, Surrey is left behind when it comes to transportation infrastructure. And I just wanted to mention to your listeners also that in Surrey, you can fit the cities of Vancouver, Richmond, Burnaby, 
into the geography of Surrey, and we still don't have a real transit system. And buses, all they do is increase congestion on our roadways. Uh, With our increasing population growth, you have increasing cars, whether they're gas or electric. You have these buses, whether they're gas or electric, and they don't have pullouts. It's a nightmare in Surrey. Wow. You're painting a great picture of how 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 bad it is right there right now. Is there a consensus, at least amongst the influencers within Surrey? Uh, I think the mayor is Doug McCallum. Is yes. that correct? So you've got Doug McCallum, the mayor, yourself. Maybe there's some other groups that are other influential people in Surrey. Are they at least all on the same page of like, we need to get this built? We're all on the same page. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I mean, certainly uh, when the mayor became mayor and, uh, you know, we were at odds. Uh, I said to Mayor McCallum, I said, there's no way you can shift the budget from LRT to SkyTrain and have it built all the way to Langley. And on day two of him winning the election, he said on Global, Mrs. Huberman is wrong. The Surrey Board of Trade is wrong. We can build it all the way to Langley with the budget from LRT. And we can do it in the next four to five years. And when was that? And that was uh, when he got elected. Um, about three years ago, two and a half years ago now. Uh, but he said on day two that the Surrey Board of Trade wrong was wrong. But uh, today I'm right. And, uh, and he's wrong. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes we're at odds with each other. As, yeah. and, and, you know, that happens with uh, politicians, right? But um, I just, um, I think we're on the same page when it comes to the fact that we need more transportation investments in Surrey. Mm-hmm. And it, we can't only rely on buses um, as a mode of getting around. And, uh, and some people don't have a choice. They don't have cars. Mm-hmm. And so they need buses or they need other you know, forms of transit. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, look, if if um, these governments who are being elected who position themselves as um, uh, um, advocates for the environment and say, we want to move to, you know, better public transit so we're not driving around a bunch of gas-guzzling vehicles, there's really only two ways to get there. You have to have better public transit and you have to have more electric cars. Um, and I know we're going to talk about electrification of Surrey in a minute. Um, one of the questions I have is there's this constant debate over, like, bridge versus tunnel for the replacement is does does the board of trade and yourself have a position on what it should be or do you care well our position has always been to build a bridge and um, make it 10 lanes and and that was the position of the former bc liberal government as well and all of the assessments uh, whether it was environmental or transportation related had been done and uh, the concept of a tunnel you know from our perspective doesn't make sense uh, from an environmental perspective in terms of shipping goods uh, expanding the capacity for uh, boats uh, maybe even cruise ships uh, ferries uh, connecting our community communities um you know we you know our position still is that we should build a bridge even if it's eight lanes you know let's just get it done yeah and the same goes to uh, the other issue of course is the patello bridge mm. so again for those who maybe rarely go over the patello like myself can you describe to me what the patello bridge looks like today this is the one that connects with new west is that right that is correct that's uh, kind of quite an old and decrepit so it's uh, about uh, 75 80 years old and wow. it's dying. 
Yeah. And so if we had an earthquake, you don't want to be on that bridge. Right. It's had so many different Band-Aid uh, fix-up solutions, and uh, it's scary to be on that bridge. And But what the B.C. government has decided to do is uh, build a new four-lane bridge with the capacity to expand to six lanes okay. and uh, biking, walking capacity. And then eventually, once the new bridge is going to be built, they'll tear down that old bridge. What we're saying at the Surrey Board of Trade is open it with six lanes. Yeah, why, why would you build it for four with the expansion of six? I have no idea. It does, just doesn't really make any sense to me, especially, um, as I mentioned before, that our population continues to grow. But the BC government, they do not have buy-in from the city of New Westminster. Mm. The city of New Westminster doesn't want additional traffic flow but when there's a will there's always a way and i think from an economic development perspective um, it does need to open with six lanes mm -hmm. and there's ways to mitigate traffic impacts even on the new west side to mm -hmm. make it easier for their residents and their businesses well new west uh for those who don't know it is a bit of a a political backbone for the NDP. So I can see why they might be cautious about having to disrupt that community because they, that's one of their core constituencies or where they get a lot of votes from. But that's interesting. So you've got the Massey Tunnel issue. You've got the Patella Bridge issue. You've got a, a lack of, of uh, public transit. SkyTrain ends at King George Station, doesn't go into Langley. There's a lot of there's a lot of business that goes between going on between Surrey and Langley, is there not? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, um, it's really classified as a South Fraser economic region. Okay. Uh, so the uh, the business connection between Surrey, Langley, Abbotsford yeah. um, is immense, and especially with the international airport in Abbotsford, uh, we you know we sit on the board of that airport. Um, you know uh, the connection, the business, uh, the workforce um, migration. Um, you know, never before have we ever been so connected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm always perplexed, Anita, as to like why governments seem to take so long to to implement infrastructure projects that are like clearly like every every major infrastructure project you look at and say British Columbia, and in the end, it's always been a, a good move. Maybe it's mm -hmm. a bit of a Bosch job along the way and depending on which project you're talking about but i'll use one as an example like the um the canada line going out to the airport i mean i can't believe how long it took us to have that and even toronto was the same case mm -hmm. and if you take the uh the the express uh from pearson airport to down to union station it's such a breeze now compared to taking a taxi mm -hmm. same here and, and these get used constantly yes so i'm just i'm always perplexed like why does it take why is it so hard for someone in your position to convince these politicians that the you know, Doug McCallum at the at the uh, municipal level and Horgan at the provincial level and I guess Trudeau at the federal level to get these people to just you know write the check and get this done. Well, I think it has to do a lot with um, the public and um, the politics of it all and the votes and you know the community consultation that needs to be done and as I mentioned all of these required assessments and, and everything yeah. but um, there's a way to move things along I mean you take a look at cities that are built in Europe uh, in the Middle East it's done like this yeah 
Um, and um, it's just amazing what's going on over there and how quickly things can be done. Yeah, but Asia in, as well. Absolutely, yes. Quickly. Japan yeah. is just amazing. Yeah. But in North America, like even the United States is facing significant infrastructure challenges as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I don't know why, and it's very frustrating. And if we do not focus on infrastructure enhancement, development, uh, then we're going to be left behind economically. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, on the topic of infrastructure, one of the other things we wanted to talk about was electrification of Surrey. Hmm. Now, two statistics that I've got here is one is that um, is that in the next ten years, the electricity demands of Surrey are expected to increase by thirty five percent. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a proposed, or I'm not you fill me in on this, but it's a $94 million substation by BC Hydro that's going to be built. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the first question I have for you around that topic is, is that enough for Surrey to have this substation built? Is it big enough? Is it going to help accommodate the growth needs of the of the city? It'll help. I mean, uh, certainly, if the goal by automotive manufacturers is to build only electric cars, uh, then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that um, our city is looking at making sure that our downtown core at least has accessed and easy access, maybe charging for infrastructure for electric charging, but it's not going to be enough. Uh, the site C dam that you know is going to help as well to to a certain extent, but our electric grid cannot handle uh, the impending increase in electric car usage, and it's not electric cars only. It's buses. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. other forms of of um, you know modes of transportation. So uh, I think we have a long ways to go. But remember. Electric cars are also going to increase congestion. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole deal really was to decrease congestion. So I, I think our whole city building, our whole city design needs a whole rework, reassessment. And, and that's not happening right now. Well, that's really interesting. So I'm not, uh, okay. So what about at the, at the municipal level? So you're talking about, um, design and planning. How much of this is, uh, goes back to say the staff that work at the city of Surrey, the the planning staff and the engineering teams and whatnot. I mean, how are they delivering? Are they are they how their what's their grade been like? Well, you have to keep in mind that uh, staff um, work at the direction of the political will at the time. Uh, but certainly the staff at the city of Surrey are, are doing their part in terms of introducing new ideas around electric charging infrastructure, expanding that, uh, looking at ways in terms of uh, perhaps us being a center of excellence uh, for electric charging. Uh, in the downtown core, but it's so concentrated only in the downtown core. Yeah, sure. When 75% of the population is left out. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I think there's an opportunity there to really broaden uh, that that perspective. And the city staff, um, you know, they need the political direction in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And are they getting that direction in your view? Uh, not at this time. No. Um, I, I think it's going to come eventually, maybe beyond the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, I, th- I know the city is focused on that in terms of getting through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just now, uh, they're, they're starting to focus on these innovative discussions. Mm-hmm. But again, it's mostly concentrated on our downtown core, right. which is great. Um, but it needs to be citywide. Yeah. 
You brought up a really interesting point earlier, which is not it's not just electric cars; it's electric buses. You know, we saw the BC NDP recently announce a plan to uh, acquire or build out a bunch of school buses that were all electric. Mm-hmm. When I saw the announcement, I, was, I, the, I had two thoughts that came to mind right away. First of all, I thought, well, this is actually really creative and good for them because it means like little kids don't have to like inhale, you know, gasoline coming out of diesel coming out of these buses. But then I thought, where are they going to charge all these things? I mean, imagine if like every single school bus in the province was electric. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have to have electric infrastructure like you're talking about to charge these things. Mm-hmm. But I imagine the school board, for example, uh, they have huge parking lots in order to park these school buses and then charge them all at once. I yeah. know for city fleet vehicles, they have their own yard to gas up their vehicles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, we go back to that question. Do we have enough electric grid capacity to yeah. do all of this? Sure. And to ensure that we're prepared for the future. You take a look at TransLink right now and their Transfer 2050 plan and their vision, which is going through consultation. And uh, it really is focused on electrification, reducing congestion. Uh, but those two really don't mesh, do they? No, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're not retiring anytime soon, are you? Uh, no, I'm only 47, so <laughs> a long ways yet. <laughs> I, think, I, think the, I think the city of Surrey still needs you around to be able to see some of these projects through. Um, is there anything else within the world of transit? I mean, we've talked about public transit and LRT versus SkyTrain. We've talked about the Massey Tunnel, the Patella Bridge, and electrification. But is there any other aspects? Like, for example, here in Vancouver, especially under the former mayor, Gregor Robinson, mm-hmm. there was a big push on bike lanes mm-hmm. now of course we're much more condensed as you pointed out Surrey's huge you could take vancouver would you say vancouver uh, vancouver richmond, burnaby and richmond and put them all in surrey and still got a little room for like cloverdale that's right okay so i don't is there much of an interest in bike lanes in there surrey there are there are absolutely okay. but we we're lacking that uh, safe biking infrastructure okay. and it's really expanded um i would say in the past seven eight years uh, but it's not safe and it's not easy because Surrey is so spread out and you have to, you know, uh, ride your bike all the way from South Surrey to North Surrey. And all of a sudden, you know, that's a, a two hour gap or more uh, from your day. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's going to come one day. And um, but we do need it. People want it. And especially during the pandemic, people are asking for that. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, let's hope some of that gets put together, gets, uh, is, is gets, comes together soon too. Um, Anita, let's jump into probably the, the hottest topic going on in Surrey today, at least from my observation, mm-hmm. which is around police. Mm-hmm. Now, today, the city of Surrey has the RCMP as, as a police force. And, and that's been the case probably for many decades. 70 years. So, seven years. 70. Se- 70. Sorry. 70 years. Okay. So mm-hmm. for 70 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Surrey has had an RCMP police force. Correct. They've never had their own city police force. Not that I'm aware. Okay. At least not in the last 70 years. <sighs> but now there's this push, and I don't know how far along we are with this, so you can help us help the listeners understand, this push to have its own uh, municipal police force. Just like Vancouver has a Vancouver Police Department, Surrey's looking to have its own Surrey police force. Have mm-hmm. I got this right? Mm-hmm. And, and who's, does everybody want this? No. Okay. So, I mean, uh, the Surrey Board of Trade's position on this was uh, to keep this the RCMP. And so we said that from day one when Mayor McCallum was elected and his slate. And uh, and then there was a decision to transition 
uh, from the RCMP to a new police force uh, with the belief that uh, public safety would somehow increase, that it would not cost as much, and that there would be more uh, public collaboration. And um, from our perspective, Policing is not only about changing your badge. It's a holistic concept. It's about youth supports, mental health supports. We also have the opioid crisis that also we're facing in Surrey. It's not only in Vancouver, mm-hmm. in all of British Columbia. And, um, and also we're facing a significant increase to our taxes, whether it's residential or commercial. Some of our manufacturing businesses last year faced a 150% tax increase. That's not sustainable. Not, and no. we're waiting this year. We're going to get our tax bills in a couple of weeks. And some of our forestry companies in Surrey are saying, if we get another 150% tax increase, we're going to move out of Surrey. So we said that to the mayor. We said that, you know, your intent to change the public safety infrastructure is costing taxpayers. Uh, but he continually says that uh, it's not going to. Um, there's only going to be a 10% or cost of living uh, shift um, for taxpayers. And that remains to be seen. Uh, there's so many issues. There's no business plan. We don't have a full costing. Uh, we really don't know if there's no business plan. There's no business in place plan. for switching from RCMP to a, a no. Plan. Really, no. there's no strategic plan. Uh, we okay. we really don't know the full cost. Amazing. And uh, we really don't know the timeline. And so when I'm speaking on behalf of um, an economic development perspective, um, public safety is really important to business. So, so they want to know, is there going to be a reliable public safety infrastructure? But now there's uncertainty. And in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of gang warfare, we're shifting no, why between... Why would you do that? Yeah, we're shifting... I mean, if- even if it was maybe a good idea from an economic perspective, I mean, right now, it doesn't seem like a very good time when you have, as you say, we're in the middle of a pandemic or a tail end of it, hopefully, we all hope. <laughs> but you also have, as you point out, this, this gang warfare going on. Mm-hmm. And, and to have that much disruption seems very odd to me. Yes. And I mean, we have called uh, on the BC government to say that this is going to cost the BC government money. It's going to cost uh, you and your BC budget money. It's going to cost the federal government money. Uh, it's going to compromise public safety in other cities throughout British Columbia as uh, we transition and transfer police officers over to Surrey as they're hiring and retraining. Uh, you know, we have the largest RCMP detachment within Canada, and we're already behind in terms of serving and increasing those services. We Already, the past three years, there has been no uh, no um, investment uh, by the city of Surrey, uh, by Mayor McCallum, in new personnel for the RCMP in Surrey. And they're already doing more with less. Wow. That is simply unacceptable. That's amazing. So, Anita, did the BC government have a position on this? Do they have a position uh, of 
I'm curious to know. I don't know. Well, I, I spoke with Premier Horrigan several times on this, uh, as well as uh, our Solicitor General, Mike Farnworth. I've met with them in person and uh-huh. on the phone, and they say, Anita, it was your mayor that decided to do this, and we have to allow them to do that. They are within their right to shift. Mm. What we're doing at the provincial level, they said, is making sure that public safety is not being compromised. We're watching this at every single step, as is the federal government, as is uh, Minister Bill Blair. Right. But uh, I said, you know, already public safety is being compromised. Sure. And uh, when you take a look at the gang violence, um, are they going to see an opportunity with the shift? Are they going to see gaps where they they can take advantage? Of course they are. Criminals are extremely creative and innovative. I mean, almost any new technology that comes out, you always watch what the criminals do. Not that I know any, but I mean, of course they are. Uh, it seems so obvious to me. In order for the pro- for the city of Surrey to pivot from a RCMP police system to a municipal police system, did they have to get some kind of approval from the provincial government to do that? They did, absolutely. And they already did get that. They did get that. And they also... So just make sure, sorry, yeah. interrupt. So, mm-hmm. so they had to get approval. They got approval. Minister Farnworth and Horgan have told you that their only concern is around making sure there's no compromise of public safety, but there's no business plan. Right. So you're telling me that the BCNDP approved something major like this with no business plan. Right. Okay. How do you feel about that? I how do your mem- how do your members feel about that? Disappointed. Yeah. Disappointed. Hmm. Is this already in place? Like, is is the is the horse out of the, the stable already here? Is it is well, already in motion? Some will say that it's a done deal, okay. that uh, it's been approved by all levels of government, and all we need to do now is go through the legalities of it all. And we just, I interviewed the, the new chief constable of the Surrey Police Service, Norm Lipinski, uh, recently, and he said it is a done deal. And uh, but from my perspective, like anything, like any shift in in political infrastructure, nothing is ever a done deal. And if it doesn't make sense from a costing or public safety perspective, then the decision can be shifted. And so the Surrey Board of Trade, we still maintain to keep the RCMP. It's not a done deal. There's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. Hmm. When is this supposed to occur? this turnover and is, is it supposed to be like like we show up at Surrey one day and I get a speeding ticket from the RCMP and the next day it's from the Surrey Police Department or is it, is it supposed to be a phased transition period? It's a phased transition period and um, you know they're saying that they're going to have some boots on the ground the new police force uh-huh. by this fall I doubt it very much hmm. And uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, at least until the end of 2023 until we see a full transition, if it should take place. Because remember, the size of our city, the number of recruits that need to be hired, 1,200. They're starting from ground zero in terms of their technology infrastructure, yeah. in terms of their police case files, in terms of their judicial interaction, uh, the, the gang violence, the issues, um, the relations with stakeholders, newcomers, young people. There's so much to be done. That's not going to happen by this fall. No, there's no way. No. Wow, this is a big challenge. You got some big challenges in Surrey. 
Yeah, but you know, every large city, um, and as mentioned, we're going to be the largest city by 2030. Every large city faces these types of challenges and issues, but we have a lot of opportunities and yeah. a lot of great assets in our city too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm certain you do. We'll talk about that in a minute just to wrap things up. But before we do, just one more thing I want to talk about with respect to criminal activity and policing, because we really just spent that time talking about the RCMP versus a, a police force. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I want to dive into is gang activity and cannabis. Now, I personally have this view that I believe the illegal cannabis market, which I'm certain is thriving in British Columbia, mm. um, is fueling a lot of the activity that's going on in the gang warfare. I don't I have any, any evidence of this because it's not my area of expertise, but it seems to me that there's got to be a correlation. Now, City of Surrey does not have one legal cannabis retail store at all. True. And as you pointed out, this is a municipality that geographically is large, as, as big as Richmond, Vancouver, and Burnaby combined. Mm. And I got to think there's a few people in, in Surrey that smoke cannabis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah? Okay. So you have people living in Surrey, half a million people, some of them are smoking cannabis, and there's not one single retail store in the entire city. Right. Because the local council and mayor have not approved any retail stores. Well, they did not believe that uh, Surrey needed it. They thought it would fuel more criminal activity. Uh, they thought that, um, you know, there would be other issues, uh, social issues. But the, the fact of the matter is now with the pandemic, uh, very recently, mayor and council are looking at revenue generating activities and cannabis stores are on the list for consideration. Mm. But, uh, the, the, you know, the other issue is that, um, there is no, um, it's been two years since legalization of cannabis by the federal government, and there are so many gaps and yet also opportunities, not only by local government, but also by the private sector that could have been had yes. uh, within the past two years and even within our city. Uh, you know, the technology, the innovation, um, and it's, it's not meant to, um, create social issues. It's meant to be, uh, medicinal support. Uh, it's meant to be ways in which to take cannabis safely. Um, but, uh, the cannabis right now that's being offered in the retail sector through the BC government, um, you know, uh, the, the quality of it is not what, uh, clients want. Right. So that's why the underground market is thriving. And it's not the only thing, Andrew, that's um, fueling the gang warfare. Uh, there's so many other issues too. What are they? What are the top ones that are fueling this? Because it seems like Surrey is one of the center points of this. So you're, you're feeling the impact and there's got to be a safety concern, I got to think. Well, we're also a border city. Yeah. Uh, we have an international docking facility, so we're receiving a lot of shipments and goods. Um, so it's not only cannabis, it's other drugs, um, guns, um, and, and there's a lot of gang warfare as well, uh, uh, you know, across the border, uh, Surrey, Burnaby, Richmond, Vancouver. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, there's a lot of different factors that are fueling this gang violence. And I, I think with the police, uh, and we said this, um, and it's always been our position, where the police need to gather so much evidence until they actually take them off of the streets. But they already know who they are. Sure. If you know who they are, take them off of the streets yeah. now. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, absolutely, Anita. I mean, isn't it amazing that every time you see one of these gang shootings, 
like, well, the, the, this victim or this criminal was known to police. Like every time. Yes. They know who they are. Yes. So do you think the issue is our court systems? I mean, we're kind of a little bit off of topic of Surrey Board of Trade, but I'm assuming this is affecting your members. Yes. Okay. So is it is it an issue around not enough police or the police uh, don't have enough resources or is it the court system? Like, where do you think the issue is here? Well, it's a combination of both. I uh-huh. mean, you can imagine, for example, the shooting that took place at YVR. Yeah. And uh, and yes, there are cameras everywhere and maybe there were witnesses. Uh, but the length of time it takes to gather all the evidence and to write a report. And these are like 800 page reports sometimes uh, that uh, the judge wants and and you have to debate it back and forth i mean it's no easy case yeah and so in the meantime uh these gangsters uh there's no way according to judicial accountability or by police officers uh to be able to take them off of the streets you know they're waiting in their home or they're doing they have access to phones or to the internet to do their business right uh so there's no ways to mitigate it while they're collecting their evidence so it's a combination of collecting the evidence judicial accountability and it's a very slow process it is yes one of the other issues that we are debating uh, later this month is around decriminalizing drugs, all drugs, mm-hmm. because of the whole opioid crisis and the fentanyl crisis. So, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity for further conversation and also a revisioning of cannabis legalization. Um, the, the local government, though, they need to take leadership uh, around cannabis. And um, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I find it so perplexing. I don't know Doug McCallan in Surrey at all, but it just doesn't make any sense to me that you wouldn't allow and embrace mm-hmm. legalized, regulated retail cannabis stores in Surrey. Mm-hmm. Don't get it. I agree. Um, okay, well, look, to finish this off on a positive note, I want you to give me your sales pitch. I'm a, I'm a business owner. I'm maybe looking to expand my operations. Maybe I'm in the more traditional like manufacturing space. Why should I come to Surrey versus going to Richmond or Burnaby or Langley? Well, Surrey has 27% of Metro Vancouver's industrial land, whereas Vancouver is building up, we're still able to build. Mm -hmm. We have the human capital uh, to really ensure a thriving uh, and supportive workforce. A third of our population is under the age of 19. I would say about 40% under the age of 40. And um, we have two universities, uh, in addition to other private colleges, private universities that are dedicated to reskilling, upskilling for the jobs of today and tomorrow. Uh, we have a thriving health and technology district. We have the greatest number of manufacturers in British Columbia. We're a border city. Uh, we have an international docking facility to help these manufacturers, for example, to ship goods across our nation and across our globe. And so Surrey is uh, a city that is not to be ignored. We're not a suburb. Uh, it's not all about Vancouver anymore. Uh, the ecosystem that currently exists in Surrey in terms of support, collaboration for any business that wants to move in uh, is certainly there. And uh, recently we had uh, a business that said, you know, we want to expand our facility from Burnaby to Surrey. Uh, we want to create a, a robotics manufacturing firm uh, that has 18 different elements to it. You have 
have the land, you're on the border, uh, and we can work with uh, different uh, international ports. We need to be in Surrey. And so we're trying to make it work for them. And we can make it work uh, for any business, really. Wow, that's really neat. That's a good pitch. Mm-hmm. Good job. So a company like this, uh, they, they're, they're looking to find out where they're trying to analyze or decide where to kind of uh, plant their feet to build mm-hmm. out their manufacturing plant. So where, where do you get and your organization get involved in helping an organization, a, a company like that? Well, we're a, a connector. Okay. And so we um, connect on any economic development initiative or any business that's moving in with uh, different commercial realtors, um, our e- different economic development agencies, whether they're local or regional. Uh, and of course, some um, are connections in our knowledge uh, in terms of space availability, uh, in terms of uh, workforce support. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think uh, it's a very comprehensive ecosystem of support that we offer. But our, our role is to be a connector, to be that yeah. concierge of connections for whatever they may need from startup to maturity to expansion. Wow. OK, that's neat. That's a good uh, overall description. Thank you for that. Uh, to, to finish off, do you have any uh, particular companies that you're very proud of that uh, have thrived in Surrey? They either came there and built or they've sort of come from the ground up that are one of your members. You're like, yeah, this is a neat story of a, an example of a of a homegrown Surrey story? Well, I think it's a cluster of companies uh, that have come into our health and technology district. That is, uh, uh, it's three towers, another five to be built. Oh, um, and health and technology district. district. Oh, that's very And cool. so it's not only focused on health technology, but yeah. a variety of technology, whether it's software or, or, or technology for healthcare, manufacturing, um, agri-tech, um, partnerships with um, Israel, Ireland, India uh, to form research collaborations. Uh, what is being built there right now is something that I'm really proud of and that I speak about uh, provincially and nationally because uh, it's leading edge in terms of the technology. The, um, the There's one company, uh, Neurotech, uh, that is building um, and has created technology to really increase increase the neurons within your brain. Uh, I could so, use some of that. Yeah, so could I. <laughs> uh, but it really elevates because we only use so much of our brain capacity. Yeah. And so they're, they're trying to build this technology where, we're, where we can increase our brain capacity. Wow. And in turn, of course, that uh, positively impacts our economy. Yeah. So I'm so proud of our health and technology district. And we give tours uh we did pre-pandemic in-person tours of that district. Yeah. And as I mentioned, there's another five towers that are going to be built. And I'm just so pleased uh, that we have that in our city. Wow. Wow, that's great. Well, this has been a really good education piece for me on, on Surrey. I, I didn't really realize what a uh, huge and thriving municipality you've got, but also some challenges with the uh, infrastructure mm-hmm. and, the, and the, um, the roads and whatnot. So... Anita, you're a great representative for your municipality, and um, I really appreciate you coming on to the, onto the show today. Um, if uh, people want to engage with your organization, I guess they, you're, you're on social media. Yes, I am. And, uh, but the best way is to go on our website, businessinsurrey.com, or uh, you can always find me on every single social media, yeah, Twitter, all over the place. Facebook, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Anita Huberman, thank you for being on the show today. You're the CEO for the Surrey Board of Trade, um, and you're also my confidant in helping move Family Day to the same day as everybody else in the country and the United States. So thank you once again for that. Thank you for coming in today. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. 